Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Good morning and good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the NFL Combine Insiders Edition show today with Gino and I. We've got some great guests. And Gino, let me ask you, is there a professional sport out there that does a better job remaining relevant on a year-round basis than NFL? No, and I think it, it honestly, it probably started like 10 years ago, right? It's probably been just like the last decade in particular where it's been this way. I think the NBA is doing a, a much better job recently. Um, over the last few years of once the season's over, you're still getting storylines that are popping out all over because once the NFL season ends, then immediately you're getting the coaching changes that happen right off, you know, right after the season ends. So now the carousel begins. And what we've seen in the last few years, and I think what, what you've noticed in all of sports in general, and I'm talking players and coaching, there's a lot more turnover than we've ever seen, right? So there's a lot more players moving around, coaches going here, trades happening, um, someone being cut, someone being signed off the, you know, off um, uh, off of the um, a free agency list. So there, yeah, there are just so many things happening that didn't really used to happen as much, or they sure really didn't used to happen as much publicly before Twitter and Facebook and social media and everything. So now it seems like we know these players a lot, um, a lot more. We know what's going on. Uh, a, a little bit more, um, especially the the big names. So it, it's it's nonstop, Mikey. It's nonstop, and for someone like you who's in the business, you're grinding twenty four seven. Yeah, and I think also what comes into play as well is that there's so many you know cable channels out there. You could watch your team wherever you're at around the world, and so and now streaming just, too. You it's know, streaming exactly online. You can you, you can throw online up a on your phone from any anywhere. Yeah, and, and I don't remember like. Years ago, them uh, televising spring games. No, they, they just they, they weren't there wasn't interest in it. You know, no, was, you know there just wasn't enough interest in it. Now, like you mentioned, people are interested in that kind of thing. Whether there be people that are making a lot of money because they're they're in these crazy fantasy leagues, whether they be gamblers, whether it be members of the media who are writing articles or who are trying to get ahead, people covering the team. There's just a lot more now. You know, cover there used to be what when we'll talk to. Uh, beat writer for the Saints coming up uh, a little later on. I mean, you used to have a beat one one beat writer covering teams like that locally. Now, think about how many team how many people cover uh, some of the big teams. It's it's just incredible. And today That's we're a great point. Fun. That's yeah, a no. great point because you have lo- the local papers have always covered the, the the home team, but now you have ESPN's Saints beat writer. You Fox have Fox Sports, Sports Saints Bleacher beat writer. And you have that for every team. Everyone, yeah, they've all got. Yeah. Yep. And here, here's the other thing, too, is that when you're talking about, uh, you know, college football in particular, it's very regionalized. So I would say that people in SEC land are going to be a lot more familiar with the draft prospects than in the Bay Area, as example. I, I, I lived in the Bay for a while. And one thing I noticed is they're very passionate about the 49ers and the Raiders, but they didn't really know a whole hell of a lot outside of maybe Cal and Stanford. You know, which usually produced you know a player or two every year, but they weren't they didn't have that strong of a grasp on the college football scene on a nationwide basis. Whereas 
you know, uh, residents of the South in particular, you know, SEC land, Georgia, Alabama, Louisiana, Florida, they knew their football, man. Texas, know their football, you know. So a, a lot of it also has to do with the region of, of the of the country that you're in. And I think that's where you'll find a lot more of the hardcore Combine fans. And when you're talking about also passionate fan bases like the Eagles, like the Giants, like the Patriots, you know, um, Steelers, Cowboys, Packers, they're going to know their team's needs and they're going to start looking right around now for who can help their team out. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And um, we're going to have, I guess, just three different, completely different takes, I think, on the NFL combine and kind of the off season. We'll be able to talk to Sweets, who's more of a, who's a trainer. So we'll be able to get his kind of opinion on how to get people prepared, what kind of stuff it takes to get to this high level. And then we'll talk to Rick, who is more of analyzing the guys at this level and how they stack up moving forward. And then we'll talk to, uh, to Herbie, who's more like um, what focusing on the saints in particular. So what are the saints looking for? What do they need? Uh, he mentioned that they have, there's a big LSU contingent. I think they have 10 players from LSU. So we'll be able to get kind of the local spin from him. So three completely different takes on really the, the same combine, which will be really fun. Yeah. And I think that's, what's going to make this show a really, really great show today for any hardcore NFL fan. Cause like you said, we're going to give uh, a variety of perspectives. One of the reasons why I was so interested in having Sweets, who's a very good personal friend of mine as well, as being, I'm going to say it, the best hands-down speed trainer on the planet. Uh, you ask anybody in professional sports circles, and they will tell you that. And one of the reasons I wanted to have him on the show was for him to break down what it takes to succeed at the NFL Combine. You know, you hear so much about their performances and successes and failures and that type of thing, but I don't think there's necessarily a lot out there for the listeners, for the hardcore fans to get to know a little bit more insight, unless they're doing a documentary or something where you maybe get to see a little bit of insight. There's not a lot of discussion about the actual training leading up to the Combine. So with that said- I'm getting old too, Mike. I'm getting, and one problem was like five years ago, I didn't have this extra like 10 pounds on my belly, on the stomach. Ah, I can't you're get looking rid for some, of this. You're looking for some tips. I can't get rid of this gut. It's not like a big gut. It's just that little that little belly that I can't get rid of. Maybe it's the hard alcohol, but I'm going to have to ask Sweets, do I need to do more sit-ups, crunches, yoga? I mean, what what's going to help me the best get rid of this little belly? Because I need you, to get that six-pack back that I used to have. You want to shift this from the NFL Combine episode to hey, how can I help Gino episode. Exactly. So let's do it. I, you know I kind of like that, me. and I think Sweets can, can, can help us. So our, our first guest is the director of performance at Levels Fitness and Nutrition. He is the owner of Levels, and like I said, he is hands down the best speed trainer, excellent speed strength and conditioning coach as well. I'm talking about Gregory Oliver, better known as Sweets. Sweets, good morning or good afternoon for you in Arizona. How are you, buddy? Yeah, good, buddy. Thank you so much um, for having me on. Hi, guys. How are you guys doing today? Good, good. good. Gino and I are excited to have you. And, and as, as you heard, if you were on the line for a few moments there, Gino's going to want some, uh, some tips on, on how he can get the, shed that gut off. But before we get started, let's talk about Indy. What is your approach in getting athletes prepared for the NFL Combine? Wow. So, um, you know, realistically, it's, uh, it's a completely different process than it is for off-season training or for football players in general. 
So um, when you get an athlete, uh, a football player who's getting ready for Indy, they've been playing football their whole lives. Um, but the drills that they have designed for um, Indianapolis are not necessarily um, football drills they've done over and over again. Now, the moves may translate into football, but um, the 40-yard dash, the 5-10-5, you know, the, the jump, you do all those things when you're moving, but it's not something you perfect um, in order to play the game. So it's a completely different type of training that you have to have to get ready for, you know, for pro days and for, for combine training. That makes a lot of sense. And with that said, realistically speaking, and I've seen you do it, you know, uh, with my own two eyes, improving a guy's 40, but how much, generally speaking, can you improve somebody's 40? I mean, is it one of those things where you have to, you know, work with somebody that's already fast? But, I mean, I've seen you work with, with 300-pounders as well as, you know, 180-pounders. You know, how much can one expect to improve his 40? Is it footwork? Is it mechanics? What are the things that you could fix? And how much can be done realistically in an 8- to 10-week period leading up to Indianapolis? Right. Well, I, I have a quote um, that I always use that I got from a college coach that um, alignments and assignments will beat you long before mismatches. So um, basically, I have to teach people how to line up correctly and, and so their body's in the correct alignment. Most guys, I mean, it always helps if you're fast to start. If I had nothing but um, All-Americans who were, you know, top 10 sprinters, it'd be a breeze. But like you said, yes, we do get 300-pound 300, 300 guys, and every guy, no matter how fast he runs um, naturally, would like to improve his 40. And so I've had guys who come in and um, who run really quickly, um, to start, you know, I had, uh, you know, Nick Miller who came to me and he was a low, um, high 4-4 guy, um, low 4-5 guy, and at his pro day he ran, you know, 4-2-7. And so we, um, for what we do here at, at Levels, uh, we're about an average in, in 10 weeks of an average of about .24 that we drop off of 40 times. If you come in and that's a legit time when we first get there. It's mostly because um, tr- uh, football speed does not translate in the track but track definitely translates into football. So once you get your alignment um, and your body um, set in the right positioning, everything else becomes secondary and, and, and much easier, um, makes you easier to run. I, I tell you, I don't make people faster. I just take the, you know, take the bricks off their back and help them run freer. Sweet. So, so tell us, obviously, to get into something like this, you, we can hear it in your voice in just a minute. You obviously have an athletic background. What, what was your background athletically, and how did you get to this point and when did it kind of change for you? Because someone like you, I'd have to imagine, you have the drive to get to the highest of levels. What, what's the reasoning why maybe you aren't yourself a, a pro, and where did that change for you? Uh, wow. So I, I played professional football for six years. And so um, uh, I got in a car accident, um, which ended my career, you know, um, a while back. I'm not going to date myself, but <laughs> it ended my career a while back. And, uh, and that, was, um, that was pretty much how, um, how it happened for me. And I had already been guys used to come out and work out with me uh, in the off-seasons just to, you know, to get ready for the next season. And, uh, and I kind of fell into it. You know, I, you know they, uh, it was the next year. We're getting ready in the off-season. And guys asked me, hey, are we trained this, this off-season? And I was like, guys, I'm out. You know, I'm, I'm no longer playing. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm retiring. And uh, they were like, well, we'll pay you. And I said, well, all right then. There we go. So, <laughs> there we uh, go. That's kind of how it started. And, th- and that um, led to the job with the San Francisco Giants as a strength coach. Um, and so, you know, and the, the rest is kind of history. So, now, just to kind of, uh, go ahead. I'm listening. Just to kind of piggyback on that, um, I'm not, I don't want, I don't want you to uh, release your complete secrets, but 
there's so many things nowadays with rate training and cardio resistance training, yoga, CrossFit, nutrition, supplements. That, what are some of the things that maybe in your uh, in your like a basic workout, what are some of the things that are important to you or you kind of focus on and strive on? Um, let's say as you're preparing guys, not necessarily maybe for the combine specifically, but as you're just getting guys ready in the off season for the next NFL or the next MLB season. Right. Attitude. Number one, attitude. Um, your thought process. Um, why are we here? Why are we doing this? If you are a guy. And so it's crazy because I make that assessment and decide who I'm going to work with before we start um, training. I don't take everybody just because if you are a guy um, who has decided this is, oh, you know, I'm just going to you know, get by this year. Um, I'm just trying to make it to my next contract, and that's it. Then I don't want to train with this guy. I want the guy who wants to be a pro bowler next year. I want the guy who wants to go to the World Series. I want the guy who wants to, um, to win the NBA championship. And so those guys I strive for, um, those are, that's what I live for. That's what I'm passionate about is getting better. If you want to keep, um, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse every day. And that's um, something you can take into the thing with your gut, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Gut, right, you know? so, oh, yeah. Um, I would say my number one advice for you is control the hole in your face. Control the hole. There we go. You know, that's first. Yeah, that's first. You got, you, you got to, you know, um, decide what's going in. If you are a high-performance vehicle, you want to put high-octane um, fuel in your body. You can't keep putting sludge in your vehicle and expect your vehicle to run fast. There you go. Simple. Simple, right? Simple, but but most of us don't have the the discipline, or really just have someone like you telling us to do it. And and I like I like that you that's what you mentioned. It's all about the attitude and who you work with. Um, and so of, of Mike's told me some of the some of the absolute studs that you've trained. Who are some to, for the the listeners out there? Who are some of the the people who you've worked with? NFL, MLB, some of the folks that uh, names that people might recognize. Oh man, my most—I guess my most notable um, uh, players are Barry Bonds, Alex Rodriguez, uh, Pablo Sandoval in, in baseball. Uh, Terrell Suggs, like well, right now, um, who they're in the gym at this moment is Brian Bostic and Eddie Lacy. Um, Eddie came in um, this year because he's got a real drive to prove um, on the, that he's still a back that he's that he's always been. So we're gonna knock some pounds off of um, off of him and get him back to form. So I mean, there are uh, you know I, I've trained over. You know, 200 NFL guys and over 150 MLB guys. So for me to go through a list of a litany of athletes, um, I would forget a bunch of them and, and I'd leave some people off the list. But for, for notability, um, I guess, you know, you know, it doesn't get bigger than Barry. Absolutely. And I remember the days when you were working with Barry, you know, hands down, in my opinion, you know, the greatest baseball player, you know, of at least modern history. And Alex is probably right up there, you know, top three, four, five guys. I mean, how does that make you feel knowing that you've worked with two of the best players of all time, two of the very exclusive 600 home run guys? Yeah. Oh, man. It's, um, it's kind of surrealistic if you look at it and you think about it. Um, you know, I remember when um, we were doing the chase for, uh, for Barry breaking the record, and it wasn't, you know, wasn't real. And then now you look back, you know, years later and, and uh, him, you know, inching up ever so closely to get into the Hall of Fame and that look at the, the, all of his accomplishments and then look back and go, you know, I was a part of that. You know, for the last, um, you know, the last five years of his career, I was there. So for me, it was, it's something that um, I can always, you know, hang my hat on that they can't take it from me. We were standing there when he broke the record. It was like when Pablo, um, uh, Pablo Sandoval was MVP of the World Series. They can't take it from me. I was there. You know what I mean? So it's, um, it's one of those things I get a chance to live vicariously now um, through my athletes. Uh, 
and still kind of be around the game, uh, whether it be football or, or, or baseball. So it's been, a, it's been a blast. It's kind of interesting hearing you, you speak about this because you're involved much later down the road in, in players' careers, whereas this conversation is really about before the careers even start. You know, the NFL Combine, it's made to be such a huge event, but yet it's eight weeks of training leading up to one event and then it's over. Do you feel as a trainer that the NFL Combine is a fair way to assess a player or to grade a player or to um, make that the entry point into the NFL? Now, obviously, you and I both know that teams look at film, they look at character, they talk to coaches, there's a lot of due diligence involved. You know, the NFL Combine may be more even as an event for the fans um, than necessarily an assessment tool, but there are some teams that really buy into a really fast 40 and that type of thing. What are your overall thoughts about that? I think that, um, you know, man, it's, that, that's a tough thing to talk about only because um, for a lot of kids um, coming out there, the Combine can make or break them. You don't get, not everybody gets invited, first of all. Not everybody gets invited. So, you know, everybody has a chance because they have their own pro days at their schools, but the elite get invited um, to, to the combine. And is it a fair assessment? Um, I would say, I mean, not, uh, just because you have a great combine doesn't make you a great football player. Um, so I, uh, I had, uh, I've had cats who come in and, and not run well at the combine, um, you know, uh, uh, good Lord, and now it's, I'm looking at his face right now in my head, and I can't think of it. Uh, played at Oregon, running back, and his name is... Blunt. Blunt. <laughs> uh, just won a Super Bowl with the Eagles. LeGarrette Blunt. LeGarrette Blunt, thank you very much. So LeGarrette um, had a horrible, a horrible um, combine time, and his agent called me and flipped out. was like, hey, can you fix it? And he ran 4-8 at the combine. So he came to me, had him for two weeks, um, right before his pro day, I mean, before his pro day at the school, and he ran four, five, three at his pro day. So, I mean, it was, you know, a drastic time difference. Now, did either of those things make LeGarrette a football player or not a football player? No. But um, the combine, the test they have, they set it that way because some kids play at Alabama, some, play, some kids play at the University of New Mexico. And the level of competition, obviously, in two different, um, two different conferences uh, are completely different. But so you, the only thing you can use as a measuring stick is the, you know, like the standardized test, basically. The it's the equalizer. Standardized test, that's it. Right, it's the equalizer. Yeah. And what I tell kids who come in, you know, I, I, Christian Kirk that came out of um, Texas A&M this year. I tell Christian, I said, listen, this is going to be just like your credit score. We use the combine numbers as your credit score. So we have to make these numbers as best as we possibly can. They're going to look at your film, yes, but the, these numbers have to jump off the page because some GMs, Use these numbers to um, to, to make a, a big difference. If you say this way, Mike, I'll ask you this question: If you have a receiver, one receiver at um, one receiver at Purdue, one receiver, one receiver at Ohio State, all right? Um, they're both six four. They both bench press the same, and everything is that the numbers are the same. They got the same number of catches. One runs four six, one runs four four. Which guy do you take? Yeah, I mean, I think the answer uh, the answer is obvious unless the film says something different or, you know, maybe right. one's dramatically a better blocker or something like that. So, right. I mean, I think I think that's a really good point. And, and you brought up the pro day. I like it when I see guys, instead of opting out of performing at a pro day, come back and do it again. 
and established that they really are a 4-4 guy. They did it in Indy. They did it again at the Pro Day. I like that confidence. I like the swagger that guys have when they do that. I think this day and age, there's a lot more guys that chicken out than ever before. But, um, you know, no, you, you make a very valid point. And like I said at the, at the top of the show, that's why I've sent guys to suites over the years. That's why I, I, I love him working with my guys. And aside from that, he's a fantastic human being. And uh, it's, it's been a, a pleasure to be his friend for, for, for many years now, you know, over 10 years. We've got about a little bit less than a minute. I, I got one we, more question for Sweets. Okay. Sweets. So when Come you're on. watching basketball, football, baseball, whatever it is, who out there do you see as just an athlete that you want to get your hands on? That you say, man, I wish I, I would love to work with this guy or girl a little bit. And, uh, you know, after a month or two, I might be able to tweak some things. Is there anyone out there that you would just you see and you'd love to work with? Good question. Oh, my God. It, it's funny that you say that because I'm actually working with him now, Eddie Lacy. I, I thought that um, he's, got, nice. he's got great feet and um, a great drive. Uh, if you watch him on the field, he's knowledgeable about the game. He just um, has some weight problems. And so, um, and so I figured if I can get in his head a little bit and find out where we can push some buttons and drop a little pounds off of him, he may be back to Pro Bowl form. So um, that was my, uh, that's my guy. Perfect answer. That's what that's, we're looking for. Thank that's you. That's fantastic. Well, Sweets, in the few seconds that we have left here, and I wish we had more time because I'd, I'd love to talk to you a little bit more about baseball and some of the oh, guys. we got to get Sweets with, back on soon, though. Yeah, yeah we'll leading up to spring soon. training and, and, and stuff like that and, and, and how Pablo's doing, if he's, if he's going to make the, the, the Giants roster this year and all that stuff. We'll have to do that another time. But for now, why don't you give the listeners how they could follow you and social media wise and a little bit about your gym before we uh, go into our commercial break. Cool. Thank you so much. Um, uh, my personal uh, Instagram is sweets1914 um, on Instagram and the gym is levels underscore fitness nutrition on Instagram. Uh, and our website is uh, www.levelsfitness.net. And there we go. Perfect. There you have it, everyone. That is Sweets. We thank you for joining us. I know you're busy right now. This time of year, getting guys ready for very, you know, baseball, football, etc. Thank you so much, and we will have to talk again soon, my man. Thanks, Sweets. Yeah, I'm going to cut that alcohol intake. I'm going to cut that alcohol <laughs> intake. We're going to get rid of this belly. No problem, yeah. You guys take care. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Absolutely, my man. Talk to you soon. There you have it, everyone. That was Sweets. Let's take our first commercial break, and we'll come back with Rick Saratella from the NFL Draft Bible, straight from Indianapolis. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Are you ready for the latest sports news, the culture around the game, and unique insight? Then you need to make Kareem and the Coach your destination each week. Host Kareem Rush played for the LA Lakers and has the inside track to personas in both professional and college sports. Co-host Eric Newman is a former basketball coach and now a producer and filmmaker. Together they cover sports and entertainment in a fast-paced hour every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. 
Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to Mike at the Mike Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, Mike and Gino, with your NFL Combine Insiders Edition program and our next guest. Calling in straight from Indianapolis is Rick Saratella of the NFL Draft Bible, your absolute best destination for any NFL news, any draft news, any combine news. You could find it there with interviews and write-ups, the best profiles in the business. Rick, good afternoon. How are you, my friend? Well, I appreciate that intro. Doing well, and uh, Indianapolis is buzzing. we got some pretty decent weather, so I'm happy about that. 60s Rick, yesterday, rain, rain today, uh, it's better, better than 19 degrees. Yeah, well, listen, I, I'll put it this way. Anytime I come to Indianapolis and there's not snow, as you know, it, it, when you are here and there is snow, it just makes the city a little bit harder to navigate. So anytime I can be here without the snow is, uh, is always a plus. <laughs> makes perfect sense to me. So before we talk about specific players, tell us, I know there's always uh, in these first, you know, Days here, you know, the writers are always looking for stories until they do the on-field testing, which starts tomorrow. So you have the measurements and you have uh, some of the psychological profiling and interviews and things of that nature. So this might be a time for people to find some scoops on some things. Are there any, if you've heard any buzz or, or word on maybe head coaches and general managers clashing about anything or, you know, um, maybe different philosophies on we want to take this position or address this position via free agency or via the draft or anything of that nature? Yeah, I mean, there's been some interesting comments. Obviously, the first day or two here, you kind of get the State of the Union from, from each of the general managers and the head coaches, and they and they do a great job really fielding our questions. But also, you have to be a little bit careful, too, because, you know, for example, you know, John Dorsey, you know, some very politically correct answers today, almost grinning through his teeth, um, not giving you what you, you know, not taking the bait on, on some of the questions, maybe. So, um it's been interesting just to see some of the stories here. I mean, Mike Zimmer spoke at length about the quarterback situation, got grilled on that, and it, it's quite clear that he wants a veteran quarterback, preferably a quarterback who knows his system. And I asked him, you know, how much how much have you dove into the, the rookie quarterback class? And he said none, zero, absolutely not. And his priorities are defense, then offensive line, and then he rattled off about five or six positions that he will scout before he even gets to quarterback. So I don't think the Vikings will be taking a rookie uh, quarterback, to say the least. And I think, you know, John Gruden yesterday, uh, they asked him about analytics, and he kind of said, you know, I'm a throwback guy, and, and I'll take it back to 1998, and, and we're going to, you know, we're going to evaluate our team based on, on football players. And I think, you know, with the, with the talk of analytics and analytics creeping into the front office more and more, I thought it was refreshing, you know, just to, to hear from Gruden, who's obviously a, a football lifer, just a football guy, and, and going to just kind of lean on the eye test 
as opposed to you know some of the data and analytics that are out there. And I want to touch on both those things that you said, but I don't want to spend a lot of time on them because I know your time is limited. But very quickly, is is there an opp- a possibility that Teddy Bridgewater is the starting quarterback come next season or this upcoming season for the Vikings? If not, who do you think it's going to be? You mentioned Zimmer. And then the next question is, is Gruden being stubborn about that? Well, the the Bridgewater thing, Zimmer was asked that specifically, and he said, you know, I, I hope that Teddy Bridgewater is with the Vikings, but if he's not, I'm going to wish him the best of luck. So I don't think he, he seemed committed to Teddy Bridgewater. I think what's going to happen there is they're going to let the market play itself out, and between Bradford, Keenum, and Bridgewater, you know, once that market kind of cools down, I could see them bringing one of the three back at maybe uh, a discounted rate or a below-the-market rate in terms of what some of these other free agent quarterbacks are going to get. So I want to be surprised that, you know, a couple of years ago, Ryan Fitzpatrick, the Jets said, hey, go test the waters. If you don't like what you see, come on back. And I could see the Case Keenum situation maybe, especially with Mike Lennon being cut, um, maybe he doesn't get the money that he thinks he's going to get. And that should be an interesting scenario as it plays out. In terms of Gruden, you know, I, I don't know if he's being stubborn. I, I, I just think that at the end of the day, like analytics and, and all these next-gen stats and how fast you can throw a football, how many miles per hour you can run, and, you know, maybe that the, the next-gen stats is nice. I think it's more of a dog and pony show for the NFL Network and the NFL.com. The analytics, I think, you know, when, when you're debating between two similar players, maybe that's when I would bring analytics into consideration and say, hey, man, these guys are really evenly. Well, let's see, you know, what he did on third down from, the, you know, the slot position as opposed to playing the boundary and things of that nature. Maybe you can get a feel for things and kind of include it in the evaluation process. But he did say, to Gruden's credit, he did say we will bring in some some professionals who do specialize in that area so they can come in and kind of explain to me what it means. But I think at the end of the day, you know, there, there's going to be traditional football coaches and guys like Gruden, guys like Tom Coughlin. They're going to keep doing things the way they, they were brought up to do. Rick, I'm always curious, uh, someone like you, you work so hard. What is the process like for you? Where do you even start evaluating a player? Um, you know, you're watching their film. You're talking to other players. You're kind of um, comparing with the level they played against to the level other teams or conferences have played against. Um, you know, then you're hearing stuff about interviews. There's just an inordinate amount of information nowadays, and way different than it even was 20 years ago. Like, what is? How does your process start when you're evaluating a player? Well, you know, I think it, it starts. You know, for example, we're looking at the next two, three years of draft classes as we speak we are we've already got scouting reports compiled on the website you know for future draft classes so a guy like chase edmonds who just spoke um just a few minutes ago injury riddled season fcs prospect at a fordham university lit the world on fire his first three years now you know had a had a down season this past year so he was probably a day two pick before the season began. Now he might go undrafted, but you know if you've been keeping tabs on him his entire career, then you know this, this is going to be a day three steal or an undrafted free agent who makes a team, possibly starts down the road. But for me, you know, I, was, I caught the tail end of, uh, of the conversation of your previous guest. You know, for me, the the film is ninety percent of your resume when I evaluate a player personally, and then when I get to the combine, you know, I'm kind of just 
checking off the boxes as they, as they go through the drills. You know, hey, quarterback, does he have the nine-inch hands? Okay, all the Northeast teams can exhale collectively. Uh, you know, running backs, obviously there are certain times and benchmarks that you want to see them hit. And, uh, you know, again, if LeGarrette Blunt does run a four eight zero. You got to go back and watch the film. Like Gruden said, is he a football player? So I think it's an interesting dynamic. And I asked Jeff Ireland a similar question last night, um, and you know he said it's really a player by player basis. And I and I really believe that. And it, he actually had a funny line. It depends on how much you like the player too. You know, so uh, <laughs> if you like the player and he runs a bad forty time, maybe you don't. You may maybe discount it uh, a little bit more so uh, as opposed to a player that you don't like so much. And me being a Trojan guy, I have to ask, because I, I think I've heard, and, I, and when I read your sites, it seems like you guys are pretty high on him. Ronald Jones, the, the running back, what's the buzz you're hearing mm-hmm. on him, and um, it, positive or negative right now? Oh, Ronald Jones, I mean, it, it, the, the only question now is high, how, high, how high can he go? And I think that's, that's what's interesting about the combine. You know, if he comes out and runs a 4-3, say, hey, maybe instead of being uh, in that, 25 to 50 range well hey maybe now he's uh solidifies himself as a first round guy and um you know the tight end prospect dallas goder who was having a great senior bowl until he got injured you know maybe he's a, a fringe borderline first round guy now he he jumps through the gymnasium blows the roof off of Luke, lucas oil stadium and you know all of a sudden he becomes a top 16 overall selection but in terms of ronald jones i love his explosiveness his vision uh his patience and you know, quite honestly, after Saquon Barkley, I think it's between Darius Geis and, and Ronald Jones in terms of the next running back off the board. Now, uh, based on your answer, then, that would suggest that right now, and I'm looking at your top five, that would mean that Barkley would be the only first-round running back as of right now. Is that correct? Well, yeah, I, I think... I think he's the lock. He's the only lock I see for the first round. Now, if two or three running backs do go in the first round, it wouldn't shock me. Me personally, I would never draft a running back in the first round because I can get a guy like maybe Sony Michelle or Rashard Penny on day two. And, and, and while they might not be as explosive as Saquon Barkley, they can go on and have very similar uh, careers in terms of production. Now, let's move to the wide receivers. You've got Calvin Ridley, one, Christian Kirk, who our previous guest uh, trained for the Combine. Uh, Sweets trained Christian Kirk from Texas A&M. Uh, Deion Kane from Clemson next. How many of your top five do you expect to be drafted in the first round? And also, I don't see the kid from SMU in the top five. Is, uh, mm-hmm. is his draft uh, stock slipping a little bit? You know, we, we just weren't really high on Cortland Sutton from, from the gate. And I think, you know, the, the, the draft Nick industry is a, is a very copycat league. And somebody says a player's a first round guy. And, you know, if enough people say it, well, then, hey, it must be true. But I just, I have questions about his ability to separate, which ties into, you know, what is his time speed? I think there's a lot of questions very similar to, a, to a Alshon Jeffrey when it comes to Cortland Sutton. So, you know, that's where, you know, again, case by case, player by player, I do want to see what his speed is. And I, I take a look at a guy like Auden Tate from Florida State very similar size dimensions, I think Auden Tate is a very much better player overall. Um, In terms of Christian Kirk, you know, that's going to be an interesting case study because he is probably going to be a slot receiver at the next level. How high of a draft selection are teams willing to use uh, on a slot receiver? And I, I think that's what comes into the equation when you're talking about a Christian Kirk. 
Very good. And, you know, we, we before we let you go, we got to talk about quarterbacks. Overall, which mm-hmm. quarterback do you think can benefit the most from having a really good combine? Do you think it hurts when guys decide not to throw in Indy and hold off until their pro day? Or is that just much ado about nothing and, uh, and it's going to be more about their film anyways? Yeah, I mean, for me, Josh Rosen is my guy. Uh, and I think, yeah, I think the film, like a guy like Sam Darnold, who is not going to throw here at the Combine, I mean, his resume has already been laid down. He has a body of work that we can go back and, and find out who he is. And, you know, keep this in mind also, fellas. If Sam Darnold starts a game next year, he'll be the second youngest quarterback to ever start a game in the history of the National Football League with touchdown Tommy Maddox being the youngest. So, you know, maybe giving him an extra month to prepare for his pro day isn't such a bad idea. And, you know, I don't make too much into it if a quarterback does or does not participate in the uh, Jim Short Olympics. And, you know, you should be able to uh, hit your wide receivers against open air. But, you know, a guy like Josh Allen might have trouble, difficulty doing that. And I think, you know, Sam Darnold, too, he has nothing to gain. He has nothing to benefit. He can come out here and and light it up in Indianapolis, and his stock is not going to rise any now. If he comes out and just has an okay workout or a bad workout, then, you know, maybe – the, the media gets on him a little bit and and some some negative buzz starts to create but i, I don't think he loses uh any draft stock by not participating very good and i know that you got to run here but why don't you uh, give the listeners exactly how they could follow you and uh find content on your website and you know we're gonna have to bring you back for maybe a little bit longer of a segment to give us a recap on what happened in indy so uh you know, uh, yeah, we, we welcome yeah, no, you back, I, you know, in the next week or two. Yeah, you know, I, w- I was supposed to do a radio spot at 2, and then they, they, they rescheduled it last second at 2.40, so I hated to uh, be on here for such a short period of time. But, you know, maybe we can get on back on uh, soon and, and talk. But, yeah, go over to NFLDraftBible.com. We got you covered from front to back. Ranking, scouting reports, interviews, combine confidential, and then, you know, over on Twitter, I think we do a really good job in terms of keeping you in the loop of what's going on here in Indianapolis, uh, live stream interviews, and not just from the NFL Draft Bible, but we try to circulate all of our credible, you know, all the media outlets that we consider credible. We kind of, you know, put all the news and information about the draft out there for you to consume, so it's a great one-stop shop, and, you know, always appreciate coming on your guys' show and, and chopping it up, man. Absolutely. We love talking to you, Rick. Have a fantastic time with the Combine, and we look forward to reading all of your updates and your reports in the next coming days, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again soon, Rick. You got it, gents. Have a good one. All right, my man. Let's take our next commercial break, and then we will be joined by Saints beat writer Herbie Teope after a few short moments. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network. And let's talk football. Get ready for the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Want to get inside of the minds of the players and coaches? We'll talk everything sports, but with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college football. We'll review and preview the week's big games. We'll talk about the draft choices and free agents and go inside the teams for news, recruiting, and what's next from the colleges to the pro teams. It's the Get Down with Hurley Brown, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific, on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, everyone, to the NFL Combine Insiders Edition program with Mike and Gino. We are joined by our next guest, who is Herbie Tiope. He is a beat writer for NOLA.com and The Times, and he covers the Saints. So he's going to bring us all things related to the Saints, draft needs, rumors, etc. Good afternoon, Herbie. How are you, my friend? Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Let's dig right into it. So, uh, it's my understanding that this is the first year that Sean Payton is on the uh, NFL competition committee, and they obviously are going to be looking at, uh, at some rule changes and, and assessing kind of, um, you know, what things need some tweaks. What have you heard in Indianapolis regarding anything with the rules and possible changes to the rules? Well, I think the two biggest rule proposals right now on the table that have, that have really created a buzz throughout the combine. Number one is finally, can we please decide what is an, a catch in the National Football League? That's one one of the banes of my existence as a beat writer, trying to figure out what is a catch. And then the other one that's currently making the rounds right now. Remember, this is all a proposal because nothing can be actually voted on until the end of March at the NFL owner meeting um, at the end of March. But basically, they're looking at pass interference. Should it be a spot foul? Should it continue to be a spot foul? Or should it mirror what college football does where it's 15 yards? What We had an opportunity to talk to Sean Payton today, and what he was saying was what they're looking for with the catch rule is obviously clarity. You've got to have clarity on what is a catch. There's just way too many things that go into this. I think the current rules right now just makes it too technical where what you see is a catch by definition of the rule, it's not a catch. And that's, where, that's what's causing a lot of angst. But they're trying to simplify it through what is a catch. You, you know it when you see it. As far as the pass and the finish rule go, that's, that's something that's, that's being tossed around right now. They're, they're looking at, should it be a spot foul? If it's not a spot foul, if it's a flagrant pass and the finish, should it be a spot foul or should it be a 15 yards? And those are the things that currently are on, 
that they're discussing. Uh, with Sean Payton currently on the competition committee, once again, this is his first year, but the good thing is he knows a lot of people that are on this committee, and he was telling us about roughly two hours ago that for him it was an exciting experience because, you know, he, he's real tight with Mike Tomlin. He also knows uh, Mr. Morrow from the Giants, so this is a good experience for him. But I think you're probably going to see a lot of news coming out on the discussions, but obviously the, the, we want to see what happens when the league owners get together and finally put all these things to a vote. I just want to know. And Herbie, Herbie let me, let me follow up on that. Uh, Herbie, let me follow up on that. But before I do, I think maybe your your microphone may be in and out of position, and uh, sometimes you're sounding extra clear and sometimes less so much. So want want to make sure that the listeners are getting all the good stuff that you're saying. Um, my uh, the, my follow up is, how did Sean Payton first of all get to the competition committee, and when they sit down and talk about things, when you know, how does it get moved forward? to the owners' meetings, and is that the point where it gets voted on and implemented? Correct, correct. As of right now in Indianapolis, what the competition committee is doing is they're meeting with the coaches' subcommittee, and they're also meeting with the NFLPA. They're meeting with the players' union to go over some of these proposals. Now, none of these rules that, that they're discussing here, they can't be voted on until the owners get together at the end of March. Very good. And so let's uh, let's shift the focus a little bit to the Saints, you know. Um, mm-hmm. they, and let me jump in here, Mike. Oh, uh, I, I, this is something that you and I were talking about actually last night. And I, I'm curious, Herbie, as someone who covers the team inside, how did the narrative shift this this past year? Because coming into the season, it, it was probably a season that was looked at going in as maybe a 500 type year. There were a lot of young guys coming in, kind of a lot of question marks. Um, didn't really know what the backfield was going to look like with Adrian Peterson in the mix early on in the year. And then, you know, you struggle right out the gate and then immediately it just completely changes and you go on an absolute streak. And this team is one of the best teams in the NFL. How did the narrative and just the fan base, how did the perspective shift as the year went on? Well, there are a couple of things that happened with this thing at the beginning of the year. I think what, what hurt them the most was obviously there were some injuries in weeks one and week two. And if you look at their pass defense, it was ranked at the bottom of the league. They were giving up a lot of yards through the air. But but what ended up happening was Marshawn Lattimore, their first-round draft pick, finally settled down. And then Ken Crawley became the starting cornerback opposite him. And they went through personnel through those first two games. But then the defense started settling down. The offense, you always knew what you had with Drew Brees. It was the defense that was the biggest question mark coming into this season. But once they settled down, once they bought into the scheme with Dennis Allen, defensive coordinator, and Aaron Glenn, the secondary coach, this is where you started seeing everything start to turn around. And you cannot discount the draft that the Saints had. When you got Marshawn Lattimore, the, the NFL uh, Defensive Rookie of the Year, and you've got Alvin Kamara, the running back, the Offensive Rookie of the Year, those two guys really contributed to the Saints' success last year. They, they won eight straight games, and a lot of that was because of Lattimore and and um, and. Alvin Kamara, but then you also look at the other contributions you had from some of the veterans. Cam Jordan had an all-pro season. Drew Brees, you know what you're getting with him, and then obviously second-year wide receiver Michael Thomas. This is a potent team. You always knew what they had on offense, but it was the defense that, that contributed a lot to the turnaround last year. And on that note, Jeff Ireland just accepted uh, Inside the League's award for the best draft, and... Um, and, and, and I think that's a big part of, of the success for 2017. 
shifting the focus to 2018, what are the areas that you think Jeff Ireland and company are going to be focusing on so that he could win that award two years in a row? You could also make the argument he should have won it in 2016 as well because the Saints also had, you know, they had two straight years of solid draft picks. This year is going to be very interesting because there's, there are, there's going to be some transition. Uh, the offensive line right now, Zach Streif, Reports out there that he's retired. Um, that they may lose Senio Kelamete, their very versatile offensive lineman, 17 starts in the last two seasons, but he's an unrestricted free agent. So, you know, you got some holes to fill here. So, if the Saints are entering this trap, they, they hit gold last year with Ryan Ramchak, who started all 16 games at right tackle for them last year. You got to figure offensive line is, is on the menu. I think they, they should get a tight end. One of the things that's been missing from this offense ever since the days of Jimmy Graham has been an elite tight end who can split the scene. Kobe Fleener over the last two seasons hasn't really gotten the job done in that role. And so what you end up having here is Josh Hill, Michael Hoomano Wanui, and then Kobe Fleener, the three of them last year. And they had, they also used a guy named Garrett Griffin, um, undrafted free agent out of Air Force, but they don't have that quality tight end that you expect to see with, with Drew Brees at, at quarterback. So I think those two positions are going to be high on the wish list. I also think defensive end may also be on the wish list because if Alex Okafor, who's also scheduled to be an unrestricted free agent, if they can't bring him back, you got to have another guy to complement Cam Jordan. Those three positions, I think, are the key positions of need. Uh, when we talked to Sean Payton earlier, he, he specifically mentioned defensive end. And so they're always going to be looking for guys. With, with Sean Payton's mentality is you got to affect the, passing, the opposing quarterback, so he needs defensive end. And which of those positions do you think they may be addressing through free agency and which ones through the draft? Because to me, it sounds like if they shore up their offensive line, they get themselves a stud tight end, and they improve their pass rush, uh, there's nobody that could beat them. Yeah, and you know what? That's the beauty of that because you know this as well, Mike. And, and Gino, when, if you can address everything that you need uh, through free agency, then you just build your, your roster through the draft. I mean, you've got so many – so many options right now, and the Saints are young. This is a very, very young team. I think um, when I did an article on uh, how young their roster was just before the start of the playoffs, the average age is like 25, 26 years old. So they're very young. They got eight draft picks coming up, too. So, you know, the way Jeff Ireland has built this team and Mickey Loomis has built this team, they're, they're set up for success for a long time, especially with this core group of players they have. Now, on that note, you're talking about long-term vision. Is there a chance that they maybe take a quarterback and have him sit behind the legendary Drew Brees to learn from him so that when Drew eventually decides to retire, whether that's a year, two years, four years from now, they've got their successor in place who's got an opportunity to learn from the best in the business? I kind of equate it to what the Packers did with with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. The only difference is, I think timing-wise – this will probably more likely coincide with the end of Breeze's career, and you won't see him with the, uh, you know, Fa- Falcons or the Panthers like uh, like like Brett did. But the Pats were trying to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is the million-dollar question, Mike, because when you look at Drew Breeze's career, I think it would be I, – I think there would be a sense of urgency to draft his heir apparent now if there was any kind of decline whatsoever in his play, but there's none. You look at how he's playing, he's still durable as heck. The guy has started and, and appeared in 16 games for like five straight years. So this, this is a guy who, does, who just does not get hurt, and he's still playing at an elite level. Sooner or later, the Saints will have to address 
the backup quarterback. You are going to have to get the guy that you think is going to replace Drew Brees, but at the way he's playing right now at 39, I, he's showing no signs of slowing down. And obviously, you got to get him locked up. Going into free agency, that is the absolute need. You have to get Drew Brees locked up. But the good thing here is, Drew Brees has said publicly he wants to return. The Saints want him to return. So it's just a matter of when are they going to get the deal done. I don't think they draft a quarterback early this year unless there's somebody there that they absolutely like. But I think you know maybe one or two years down the road. I just don't think it's going to be this year. And for you, Herbie, it's not even all just about the Saints. It, as many years, you don't really have to get into too many of the specifics, but there's a big LSU contingent that's going to be at the Combine. I think there's double-digit LSU players that are going to be trying to get into the NFL. Um, just overall, how's that group doing, and uh, what are you hearing about the, the group of LSU guys? Well, there's 10 players out of LSU here. So, I mean, this, this, is, this isn't actually uh, any surprise because LSU does send a lot of players to the NFL, um, and they also send a lot of players through the Combine. Uh, the, the guy who a lot of folks want to hear from is defensive end Arden Key. He missed some time last year, and they want to know if he's healthy. So he's the guy that's going to create a lot of buzz, but he won't talk until Saturday. The running back, Dice, talked today, uh, and he was mentioning how Leonard Fournette, obviously another LSU guy, <laughs> first-round draft pick last year, the Jacksonville Jaguars, he was saying how he, he learned from him. And then also there's a Saints connection there because he called Alvin Kamara his brother, you know, and, there's a lot of mentorship going on here, but with the LSU players, I think the, the top guys you're looking for are guys and then obviously Arden King. That's good stuff, Herbie. I know that you're up against the clock and, and you've got a very busy schedule on Indy. We thank you for joining us. Before we let you run, why don't you give the listeners exactly uh, where they could find you social media-wise and where they can read your work? Yeah, sure. Thanks a lot for that opportunity, Mike. You can also always find me on Twitter at KirbyTOP. And then to read my work, NOLA.com, the Times Picking News. Outstanding. And for all of uh, all of those who follow Gino or myself on Twitter, we're tweeting out the show link as well as the uh, on-demand edition. And you can listen to it on iTunes as well, Apple iTunes. So um, I'm sure Herbie will be retweeting that out as well. And uh, be sure to, to ch- check out his work. And, um, and he's a really good follow as well, especially for anybody that wants real insight and the breaking news and anything related to the Saints. We just saw some breaking news last week that Herbie got to real, real fast. So, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll continue to, to keep tabs on, on Herbie and the Saints. Thank you for joining us, my friend. We'll Thanks, look Herbie. forward to talking to you soon. Okay. Thanks for having me. All right. There you have it, Gino. That was Man, what a that great hour show. went by real fast. It did. We had three awesome guests. We won't really be able to talk a ton about each one of them, but I mean, Sweets was incredible talking to us about alignments and assignments will beat you long before the Love mismatches. That. Attitude, great quote. I like. I'm a big fan of the quotes. My sister is too. She loves the inspirational quotes. That one's a great one. And then with Rick, I mean, you can ask Rick about any player anywhere down the draft and he knows just instantly boom breaks it down as he's mentioned they've been studying these guys for years already they've already got the last couple years of high school for a lot of these players and and what they did in those few years and then their college career and then their post-college career and their training and then herbie everything new orleans i mean unbelievable great information uh i gotta give you props mike you set up the guest today well done my friend 
Well, I owe you, you an, uh, well, an, not a beer. I don't want sweets to hear. I owe you uh, <laughs> maybe a Jamba juice. Hey, that, that works for me. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad that we are able to uh, have this type of show today, be able to give the listeners maybe something a little bit different than they're going to find on NFL Network or ESPN or Fox Sports. With that said, we've got only a few moments left. Next week, we are going to have Dan Cronin, the brother of Mick Cronin, head coach of Cincinnati Bearcats. He's better known as Keeneland Dan. We're going to be talking about March Madness with him. And we will also have Eno Saris of The Athletic to talk MLB analytics. He is the analytics guru. So we'll, we'll get a little baseball into the conversation. The week after, we are going to have our Vegas live show, show, baby. Live show. So a lot of good stuff coming up. We'll keep you all posted. Have a fantastic sports weekend. And most importantly, thank you all for listening. We'll see you next Thursday. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great week.